most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Flex podcast presented by PrizeFix. I'm your host, Samantha Praviti. On today's episode of 21 Questions, I am so happy to be joined by the one and only Troy King, who is a content creator at Yahoo Fantasy and Football Guys, who you can find on Twitter at TKingMode. Welcome to the Fantasy Flex. Troy, how was your week five? My week five was good. I would say that some of my leagues, I think leagues I cared about the most, it's in a tight matchup. So it's coming down to Monday night football. It's, and, you know, I think it's a little bit every week. Some weeks my team dominates, some teams, some weeks my teams just are disappointing. So it was a mix of all that. But overall, I say I had a pretty good week. I hope you did as well. And I appreciate you inviting me on the show. Thank you. Yeah, my my week has been not super great, I would say, especially like some of the advice that I gave was um, it just, you know, like some things happened. I, I got roasted for rec- I didn't even recommend Alex Collins. I just said that I was in the unfortunate situation that I had to start Alex Collins. And people were like that Alex Collins take was trash. And I was like, I don't know. Like, it wasn't like I was nearly the only person that said I played him, too. I mean, like, look, you running backs. Look, there's a lot of injuries that going on. You play who's a healthy body. So I don't blame you. Oh, my goodness. The injuries this week. Good Lord. Juju's done. CH is going to be out for a little bit. Yeah, those are all huge injuries. So, um, definitely a bummer. I hate to see that for Juju. Definitely, like, he obviously took a pay cut to go to the Steelers and stay at the Steelers, rather. And, you know, he's not getting hurt by milk crates. He's, you know, <laughs> out there actually getting hurt by football. So, it's, uh, I wish him a speedy recovery, of course. And same with CEH. I haven't really seen a timetable updated or anything like that, but hopefully that's only a few week type thing. Um, it was just crazy. It felt like every play on red zone, I was seeing someone go down. Obviously, Max Williams is out for the season. Um, Saquon Barkley probably only going to miss a couple weeks. We'll kind of go into that a little bit. But the Chiefs and Bills, what oh a game. So entertaining. I actually fell asleep, just being honest with you. I fell asleep in the beginning of the because of the weather delay. I'm like, I'm on the East Coast. I'm like, man, I, I got to be up early in the morning. But I caught I caught, you know, the highlights in the morning of the second half. And look, the Bills did their thing. The Chiefs, I'm worried about the Chiefs in terms of real football fantasy. It'll be fine. But I'm, I'm surprised that they're struggling so much. Yeah, I'm definitely surprised as well. And the Bills just looked so good. It wasn't even necessarily that I thought the Chiefs looked bad. The Bills just looked so much better, like in their own sort of stratosphere. So, I'm, I mean, we were blessed with that game. We were blessed with the Browns-Chargers game, which was everything that we hoped the Seahawks-Rams would be. Oh, my gosh. I was certainly bummed about that one. Um, obviously had a lot of exposure to a number of guys in that game in general, as I think a lot of fantasy managers would have. I sure did. That's for sure. (laughs) All right. Well, I mean, it's just never a good way to start the week when you're kind of in a hole, which I was with Russell Wilson. Um, And I had Matt Stafford, too. So, like, 
in two different leagues. And I was just like, well, that's quite the way to start the week. Oh uh, no. But got to get back on the horse and keep moving. All right. Let us just hop right in. Um, I'm going to ask you some just random questions about your background and then we'll jump into some real fantasy stuff. So Let's do it. awesome. Um, what year did you start playing fantasy and did you win your first league? I did not win my first league. So my first league ever was a family league. I believe I actually missed the playoffs. My brother, I remember, won that league. So I I tried not to count that one. That was back in, I think, 2014. My first, like, real league that I was actually competitive in or actually really cared about. The family league, I was was just learning fantasy, and I was, like, you know, kind of messing around. In my work league in 2015, that was competitive against all my coworkers, and I didn't want to lose. I didn't win that league either. I got kicked out of the first round of that league, but it was fun. But then after that, I started winning, you know, different leagues that I was in. And I'm like, oh, I'm pretty good at this. And then, yeah, so that's kind of how it all started. But yeah, I definitely did not win my first couple tries at fantasy. I did win my first year, but it was definitely beginner's luck. I tell this story a lot because I started 0-5 in that league, but it wasn't like an O and five team. It was just a team that kept like losing to the highest scorer type thing. Oh. And I was like, gonna give up. Cause it was my first year. And like, it, as a beginner, you're just like, Oh wow. I really suck at this. <laughs> like it's terrible. Um, but yeah, I made some trades and I ended up winning the league. Um, I did have help at the time I was dating someone who was very into fantasy. So there was definitely help, but yeah, I will always remember that league. What are the best and worst parts of playing fantasy football for you? I would say that the worst is, and so the random injuries that happen are definitely frustrating when I don't get a take, right. When I recommend to play somebody and they just end up just not being good. That's absolutely frustrating. Besides that, I would say, just I would say move my guys don't hit when I recommend somebody. I think that's really what's frustrating. Or when I'm projecting, when I think I have a stud lineup and my studs underperform, mm-hmm. that's frustrating as well. So those are I would say are some of the most frustrating things for me. And the best parts. The best parts is just the competitiveness, <laughs> winning money, competitiveness. Because I'm a competitive guy, so I like to challenge my friends. I like to beat them. And you know, I think everyone likes to be right. Like you know, if you do some research. And I also, as well as I like when my recommendations help other people, because, you know, I put you put in a lot of research. There's a lot of people who happen to listen to you and take your advice. And when your advice is right, that's very rewarding. Or if also like random guys, like when I see, I guess, like my receipts from the summer, if I recommended, <laughs> hey, this guy's going to be a late sleeper and he ends up doing well. That makes me feel good. It's like, okay, like, you know, because we're wrong a lot in this industry. Right. We get a lot of things wrong. And I, I'm not afraid to tell people, hey, I was wrong about this. I get things wrong every single week, but when you get things right, it feels good. So I think that's one of my favorite parts. Yeah, I feel the same way. It's weird that I get more, almost more gratification from like takes that were right than even like my own team winning. Um, It's just, it matters to me. And it's great that it matters to you so much too, because it like the passion comes through in your work. So that is super important. All right. Jumping into actual fantasy stuff. We are going to kick it off with a quick segment called the burn book, which is of course the mean girls reference as fantasy managers. It is so easy to have recency bias, especially if a player has burned us either due to injuries or a bad week. So we are going to run through five players and I'd like you to briefly tell us how confident you are in that player moving 
forward or if they are in your burn book. So the first player is Justin Fields. He's a guy that we talked about like as a potential like locked in starter right out of the gate. Um, He really just hasn't delivered though and has finished his QB 34, QB 34, QB 32, and is currently QB 26 with one game left to play, just edging out Mike Glennon and Zach Wilson, not the best company to be keeping. So does Fields belong in our burn book at this point? Um, Is he like just completely out of the question for fantasy or do you think he'll kind of bounce back and he'll be usable in the right matchups? I think he will be usable in the right matchups. It's just, I don't see it happening until towards maybe like the fantasy playoffs, right? If you're into streaming QBs, and it depends on what kind of league format you're in. If you're like in a typical redraft league, I'm not playing fields. And I would say this, and we just got to give him a little credit. He's a rookie, right? And I think some people just have expectations. He was a high draft pick. He's a mobile quarterback. We think, oh, just because you're a mobile quarterback, you're going to be good for fantasy. And that's not always the case. You know, eventually he's going to be a really good quarterback in this league. The Bears offense is just a mess in general. I don't want to put him in my burn book just yet. I want to say I'm going to hold out until the end of this season. Right now, if I had to choose today, then yeah, you're not playing him anytime (laughs) soon because he's been killing you and he's been killing like Allen Robinson and he's hurt a lot of people, but it's not entirely his fault so i would say can i like have him like half of my burn book half not in my burn book because again i don't want to play him but i think that he's going to be better down the line yeah it's obviously disappointing though i've seen flashes of good things and he obviously displayed a lot of just like i mean these players are so like teflon tough um he got shaken up in that game and you know i think better days are ahead i think it's really that matt Nagy is in my burn book at this point so he's in probably every fantasy player <laughs> manager's bird books at this point. But yeah, I am. I'm hoping that he ends up being great. I have him in a keeper league, so I'm hanging on to him there, but dropping him in redraft. Um, oh, yeah. All right. So the next player we're going to talk about is AJ Brown. 5.3 fantasy points in half PPR just isn't going to cut it. He's currently tied for wide receiver 58 for the week in a matchup that he should have really performed well in against the Jaguars and with Julio Jones gone. So is this whole Titans offense in your burn book? Is Ryan Tannehill in your burn book or is AJ Brown? I I really don't know. Like, are you, are you viewing him as a wide receiver one rest of season or, or no, is he kind of falling out of that? Uh, Wide receiver one. I think he's kind of falling out of the top 12, but he's not in my burn book. He's somebody that like he's AJ Brown. He's we got to mention the injuries, right? He's been injured. He's been banged up, but he's obviously been disappointing. You know, you expect it in a great matchup for him to, you know, be back in the lineup. Oh, you're excited to play him again. And he obviously let you down. He's not in. I can't put him in my bar because he hasn't had a fair shot. If he was healthy all these weeks and was still really bad, then he would be going my burn book. But I'm optimistic about A.J. Brown. He's a great talent. I think him and Ryan Tannehill, once, you know, A.J. Brown's back to his old self, I think Ryan Tannehill is going to be back to his old self. You are seeing the them not having Arthur Smith has clearly affected the offense. Derrick Henry still Derrick Henry. He's really the only reliable piece. But I believe that they're going to figure it out. And A.J. Brown is going to be the A.J. Brown we all know and love in the coming weeks. But again, he's been injured, so I don't want to be too hard on him. 
I agree. I think some people have been a little harsh on him um, just because they also see like, oh, he was injured. So he's just not producing for fantasy. Like people get mad at players for injuries yeah. too. So, <laughs> I mean, and if you're just looking at the numbers, yeah, of course it, it's not the season that you would have hoped for as a guy that was probably going, I don't know, like third round or something like that. So um, hopefully they will turn it around. It's interesting that you said the thing about Arthur Smith because he's ruining the Falcons, but yeah, <laughs> somehow his absence is ruining the Titans too. So Everybody needs to go back to the Titans and everything needs to go be reset to how it was. <laughs> I know, right? I miss the Ryan Tannehill of old. All right, the next guy we're going to talk about is a guy that's very close to my heart, who is LaVisca Chenault. Was on the field a bunch, but just caught one pass for 58 yards. I know this is probably more of a reflection on Urban Meyer, who has lots of things going on in his life, but wide receiver 52 in a soft matchup with DJ Chark out isn't great. Worth noting that Marvin Jones also didn't do anything either. So it's not like a matter of like, hey, this wide receiver outperformed. Like, uh, I think like the both of the, the tight ends did well. And that's pretty much it. And James Robinson, of course. So I don't know. How do you view LaVisca Chanel rest of season. So I want to mention, I want to give credit. I believe his name is Jared Smola. LaVisca Chanel had a role change for some reason this Sunday, because from weeks one to four, he's playing primarily out of the slot. But on week this week, he was playing on the outside. He barely played in the slot. And I think that had a lot to do with how he was used. Granted, he still should have received more targets. Tavon Austin was like, I believe he might have been like, the leader and targets of not mistaken. I got to go back and see, but I think he might've out-targeted Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chenault. And which is bizarre. Again, that might have to go back to <laughs> Urban Meyer and maybe his incompetence, but it was very disappointing. You know, especially last week, how we saw him being used. You thought that, oh, it would translate into the weeks to come. We know that the, the defense was a soft matchup. So it was definitely disappointing. I don't know what to do with LaVisca. I think that right now he might be more of a risky flex. I, we just got to see. I don't know if that role, if he's going to continue to be on the outside, if he's going to be put back in the slot, or if that's going to be Tavon Austin landing now. It, it's hard to tell, you know, because, again, the Jags offense is so unpredictable. In a way, they're incompetent. <laughs> and so it's it's scary. And I'm definitely nervous. Uh, in terms of he's my burn book or not, I mean, I guess I'll put him in my burn book because he hasn't really done anything all season. You know, he's gotten the opportunities in previous matches in terms of targets, but he hasn't done a lot. He hasn't had even one week to show me, hey, like, I'm going to have confidence in you. So it's a combination of him and the Jaguars offense. So I think he might actually be in my burn book. I'm kind of there with you right now. It's frustrating just how erratic this offense is, I think, because since he was objectively a harder matchup and he did end up taking over a lot of those targets and looked really good. And I thought that he had, all right, he's got that chemistry with Trevor Lawrence right now, and this is going to work in this offense. And then he's like on a milk carton in week five. So I don't know. I think it's really more just a matter of like the whole Jaguars offense is in my burn book. And yeah, I mean, for now, I think he's unplayable in most leagues, like unless it's a deeper league, but I'm not playing him in like a regular 12 team league. He is probably going on my bench just so I can see how like things shake out. Maybe this week was an anomaly, but um, hopefully the Jags get something going. (laughs) All right. The next guy we're going to talk about is Miles Sanders. He has not delivered since week one against Atlanta. 
currently RB35 and half PPR. This time it wasn't even a workload concern because Kenny Gainwell barely saw any touches. And maybe it's the offense that's limiting Sanders because worth noting, I feel like the Eagles played terribly in that game and still won. It was kind of it was terrible because it's my Carolina Panthers that they beat, of course, but they were losing that game for so much of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously that stuff doesn't really matter from a fantasy perspective, like what is limiting them. It just matters if they're producing. So are you putting him in your burn book? Um, just worth noting the Eagles play the Buccaneers next week. Absolutely. He's hundred percent of my burn book. <laughs> I, this, this is not a wishy-washy one. He is easy. It's unfortunate. I, I thought that Jalen hurts would be beneficial to Miles Sanders in terms of just efficiency of rushing, but it's a combination of he's just not getting a lot of work. He's not seeing any targets. He's just, again, especially for where you drafted him, he's obviously not delivering and he's nothing more. He's also somebody that if you're going to play him, you might, you'd be praying for just basic flex numbers because, or somehow he finds the end zone, which he hasn't really been in the end zone that much either. So it's just, again, he's been extremely disappointing and I'm not starting I'm not starting unless I have to. The problem is from where you drafted him, you most likely don't have many other options on your team unless you happen to get lucky on the waiver wire and pick up some of those guys. You know, you know, some of the backups that got are taking advantage of their starter being injured. I might play some of those guys over him. Like maybe look P Ryan, even though I was literally just going to say P Ryan or or Damian Williams, people like that. Like I'd rather play them over Miles Sanders at this point because he's shown no upside. So yeah, he's, Firmly planted in my burn book. Yeah, I feel the same way. He was actually a guy that I felt like in drafts, he was like the do not touch guy. Like he was staying on the board for so much longer than like I would have really expected. So I was definitely tempted at times. I did not take him and I'm obviously glad. I have Gainwell in one league, which he's obviously not playable right now. I was kind of thinking that that backfield was going to trend towards like a split situation, but Gainwell saw almost no work last week. So I think it's just a matter of this offense really not having its stride. And like, to your point, I really did think that Jalen Hurts was going to be better for the running backs and the running game in general. So that has been quite disappointing. So Sanders is in my burn book. Um, The last guy that we will talk about in this segment is TJ Hawkinson. He has not scored more than six fantasy points in half PPR since week two and scored a disappointing 3.2 points this week. So obviously Side note, you gotta feel for the Lions who played their hearts out in that game. Like, I don't, I have no skin in the game for this one, but Dan Campbell giving that press conference like made me tear up. But I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the issue is here. Are you fading Hawkinson rest of season and putting him in your burn book? So I think he's been a little bit banged up, but as of right now, he's in my burn book too. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Because for his expectations, like I thought going into the season because the lions have absolutely no receivers. He could have been like, you know, top three, top five tight end easy. I thought it was going to be an easy scenario, but he's stunk. And again, it might be due to the injury. I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to speculate on that, but look, he, you can't play him. I'd much rather play guys like, you know, Dalton Schultz and Dawson Knox guys that you picked up on waivers. Like, I'll easily play any of those guys ahead of Hawkinson. It's just at some point in time, you can't just rely on the whole start your studs theory because your stud hasn't done anything studly since week one. So you're just killing yourself, hoping that he 
is going to somehow outperform his expectations. And I'm just like, I no, I'm not <laughs> going to jeopardize my mental health hoping that this happens. I'll rather you stay on my bench, prove to me that you could be a good tight end. And then once you do that, then you could be in my starting lineup again. But as of right now, you're back in the burn book. Yeah, I had the same reasoning as I think many people in the fantasy community did for ranking him so high going into the season that there was no one there. It was like Quintus Cephas and Amon Ross and Brown. (laughs) And I was like, someone's got to get targets. And I thought that Jared Goff would like lock into him and just maybe because Goff is not the best, like super downfield passer. So I thought that that would that chemistry would be there. It's unfortunate though. We haven't seen him perform much since week one. Like you mentioned, tight end has just been like absolutely a hellscape though. Like if you looked at the list of the guys that did well this week, like I literally put it on uh, Twitter and someone was like, you made Jesper Horstead up. That's not a real name. (laughs) (laughs) I remember I saw that. I saw him catch that balls. Oh my, if I didn't see him, I might not believe it either. (laughs) I know. So, I mean, it's it's tough because it it is the exact argument that you're mentioning that like start your studs thing that a lot of people are probably still rolling him out and they feel like they have to because there's kind of like that, like I spent a lot of draft capital on him, so I need to put him out there and he has this upside because he's a stud. But at this point, I don't know, like there's no one that I really want to trust in terms of pass catchers on that team. So yeah, Hawkinson is at least burn book adjacent for me. Next up here on the Fantasy Flags is a segment we call Elite Entries, where we will dive into the Prize Picks app to build some entries. And for any listeners unfamiliar with Prize Picks, it's just a super simple way to play DFS. So I'm going to identify some markets I like. You build your own Prize Picks entries, and all of us have a little fun and make some money. So today I'm going to look at four Week Six quarterback plays on Prize Picks. So crazy that we are already into Week Six, and the bye weeks are here. So let's just jump right into it. The first play that I like is Joe Burrow over 258 and a half passing yards on the road in Detroit. So all three Bengals receivers are healthy now. And by the way, this Burrow-Jamar Chase connection has just looked absolutely phenomenal. Like he could account for half of these yards and I would not be surprised. Burrow has really performed well in the three favorable matchups this year and struggled in the other two. Thankfully, this matchup against the Lions falls into the former category. The Lions are probably still licking their wounds after falling to 0-5 in the heartbreaking loss to the Vikings. So I do really like Cincy to kind of put up a lot of numbers here. Also, all the flack that Cincy's O-line has gotten you know, from right out of the gate, they were pretty abysmal. Um, They have only allowed about four sacks, I think, in the last three games. So they've started to look a little bit better. I like what I've seen. So I am going over there. The next one that I like is Mac Jones under 255 and a half passing yards against the Cowboys. Jones really couldn't deliver in a soft week five matchup against the Texans, completed 23 of 30 passes for 231 yards, one touchdown and one interception. If he can't get it done against the Texans, I fear for what is going to happen against the Cowboys. Um, Their defense has actually looked really strong, especially from a fantasy perspective, by the way. But they've given up a handful of yards, but the team has managed to keep games pretty low scoring. So I can see this one definitely going under that number. I also like Tom Brady over 305, 305 and a half passing yards on the road in Philadelphia. 
huge number, I know. Brady absolutely steamrolled the Miami defense and completed 30 of 41 attempts for 411 yards, five touchdowns, and zero interceptions. It is his second 400-yard game of the season and second five-touchdown game of the season, separate games. Um, Philly's pass defense has been pretty stingy this year, but this will be the best offense they've faced all year, including the Chiefs. Um, And Brady might even get his favorite weapon and Rob Gronkowski back for this game. I really like Brady to crush this huge number. And then finally, I like Josh Allen over 258 and a half passing yards on the road in Tennessee. This might be recency bias, but like Josh Allen looks like a superhuman against the Chiefs on Sunday night. So much of his production did come on the ground when he was like literally steeplechasing these dudes in a terrible, terrible game. I mean, he completed 15 of 26 attempts for 315 yards, three touchdowns and zero interceptions, all while it was absolutely nasty weather. So I think that this will be a better weather game. Um, I love the weapons at his disposal and Stefan Diggs, Manuel Sanders, Gabriel Davis and Dawson Knox, who has looked absolutely phenomenal. And I like this matchup against Tennessee's pass defense. All right. So that is our elite entry today, going with Joe Burrow over 258 and a half passing yards on the road in Detroit, Mac Jones under 255 and a half passing yards against the Cowboys, Tom Brady over 305 and a half passing yards on the road in Philadelphia, and Josh Allen over 285 and a half passing yards on the road in Tennessee. As a reminder, you can mix and match fantasy points and player props to make your lineups super spicy. Also, prize picks markets move, so you're going to want to be nimble to lock in the best numbers and make your picks as soon as possible. If you haven't created a PrizePix account yet, please check out the link in our episode description because PrizePix has a special offer for Fantasy Flex listeners. They will match your first deposit up to $100. Just click the link in our episode description or visit prizepix.com and use promo code ACTION10. All right, let us just keep it moving here on 21 Questions with Troy King. Our next segment is called Full Send or That's Cap, which is sort of the opposite of that one. By the way, Full Send is like a ski term or extreme sports term. Basically, like if you're like going off a cliff, or you're going for a jump, going full send is just like going head first, like diving into the deep end, going for it. And obviously That's Cap would be the opposite. So our first player is Matt Ryan, finished as QB3 last week and will finish top 12 this week. Is this the Jets or are you going full send on Ryan as a viable streamer after the team's week six bye? Uh, Matt Ryan is so up and down this season. I know he's had, like you mentioned, he's had some two good weeks, but I'd rather not play him. I'd rather not play him just because of the unpredictability. You would think from the beginning of the season with Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts that this wouldn't even be a question, but he still makes me nervous. You know, yes, he's had a nice two weeks, but I, I think that's cap. I think that's cap. I, the only thing you're hoping for, because their defense is so bad that they're going to be in more passing situations. I don't blame anybody who's going to be streaming Matt Ryan. And again, there's going to be weeks where he's going to be good, but I just, I'm not very confident in that offense. I just think it's going to be too inconsistent, too up and down. So for, for the time being, I'm going to say that's cat. Yeah, the, the whole Falcons offense is a big swing and miss for me this offseason. I thought people were fading them too, too much. Like it had gone too far in one direction. So I was like, hey, I'll I'll take these guys. I'll take Mike Davis. Oh, my God. <laughs> like not the honestly, not the biggest bust. We talk about him like he's the biggest bust. He wasn't. But 
this whole Falcons offense has not looked strong and Calvin Ridley has been absolutely absent. I know he actually missed this game for personal reasons, but that was, that's probably the best that we should all be talking about. Um, I do hope that they find their rhythm. Like, are you taking like Calvin Ridley or Jamar Chase rest of season? Jamar Chase. Yeah. It's like not even a question. And that's like crazy. Cause Calvin Ridley was like a top three, top four receiver going into the draft. And he's seeing the targets. He has a high target share. I think he's like, has like a 25% target share or something around that realm. And he's getting like, you know, 10, around nine, 10 targets a game. It's just, for some reason, him and Matt Ryan aren't connecting and it's just ugly. And it, it, that's what's so frustrating because the opportunities are there. It just, they're just not on the same page or just if whatever it is, the offense is just a junkie looking. So if they just start hitting on those targets that they're trying to feed Ridley, then he's going to be just fine. But based on what I've seen, I can't take him over chase right now. Yeah. I don't know if it's just because they took Julio out or if it's Arthur Smith or if it's that offensive line, but certainly a concerning offense. All right. The next guy we're going to talk about is Kadarius Tony, an absolute monster performance in week five, reeled in 10 of 13 for 189 yards. And um, he's currently wide receiver six and a half PPR heading into Monday night. Are you going full send on Tony as a viable fantasy play rest of season? Or would you say his role right now is dependent on injuries to Slayton Shepard and Galladay? So his role is clearly affected by all the, you know, people that are hurt, you know, Galladay, just like you say, Galladay, Shepard, Slayton, Saquon Barkley. So as long as they're hurt, he's going to be a very viable option, but it's just, he needed all these people to get hurt to be seen. Now he's always been very talented. That's why they took him in the first round. So if he gets the opportunities, then he's going to shine. My concern is that he's just not going to get those consistent opportunities once everyone's healthy. I mean, hopefully he's earned himself a role based off of his performance. Granted, he just got kicked out because he, you know, threw a punch at the defender. <laughs> the helmet. I don't know. Like that's like a sus decision, but I don't get it. People do that all the time. I don't think I think when you have the adrenaline going, you don't always think about these kind of things. But nevertheless, I think it's a scenario where I want him to be a thing. He should be a thing going forward based off his performance. But when you have the majority of your wide receiver core not healthy and then you're performing it's hard to put too much confidence into that as of right now, but I, I, it really depends on the timeline of when the other guys are going to be back on the field. I just don't see him automatically just jumping all the depth chart to the number two or number three option on the team. It, it's, I think he's definitely benefited from everyone else being injured. Yeah. It's, it's- Yesterday was a day of victory lapping for Tony truthers all over Twitter. Certainly a lot of people were like, we told you so. And I was like, no, like this is a lot, a lot having to do with there being no one else there at the end of the game. All they had was John Ross, (laughs) like what a weird game. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I hope that he's earned a spot. I mean, Kenny Galladay now just, I know he's hurt, but he looks like an expensive decoy. I don't know if they just don't know how to like shoehorn him into the offense correctly, or if he doesn't have chemistry, whatever it is. I do think that like, if I'd rather have one of those guys rest of season, I might say Tony, but yeah, in terms of like value, I do think it takes injuries to Shepard and Slayton, which is not too far-fetched because those guys have been on the injury report report a lot. They're no strangers to that. So we shall see. I 
I think I'm going like 75% send on Tony right now. Um, The next guy we're going to talk about is one of your guys, um, Miles Gaskin. I sat him this week thinking there's no way he can put up production against Tampa. I was obviously wrong because he's going to finish as a top five back this week in half PPR. Most of his production, though, through the air, 10 catches on 10 targets for 72 yards and two touchdowns. Do you think that's fluky? especially since we've seen the way that like Malcolm Brown has been peppered in in previous games, or are you going full send on Gaskin being a viable fantasy asset rest of the season? I am going to go full send. The reason why though, is because I believe last week was an outlier. I think he only had like two rushes, zero targets last week, but then this week he has a career high in receptions. And I think game script is definitely part of it where you know, they were so behind and they're playing catch up. But the thing about it is that in most scenarios, the Dolphins aren't a good team. They don't have a good defense in terms of, you know, allowing a lot of points. So the Dolphins are going to be in game scripts where they're going to have to, they're going to be playing from behind. And that's where Gaskin is going to be on the field because he's definitely the best pass catcher. And also last week, and with Malcolm Brown having that role in terms of just the RB1, even though they didn't do anything, that's the problem. He didn't do anything. It's not like when they gave him the opportunity, he just shined. He looked very pedestrian as well as every other week outside of last week. Gaskin has had the higher opportunity share and he's had the most target share compared to the other backs. So I think on the more, so I believe even though he might not get 10 receptions again, it's more of an indicator of how he's been using the offense outside of week four so I don't, again, I think week four is a complete outlier in terms of how he's going to be used. We shouldn't expect performances like this again, but we should expect him to be highly involved as well as after the game, Coach Flores, he mentioned how, you know, hit gas control is going to be expanding and how they have to get the ball more. Now, is that coach speak? I don't know. But when you see your back being so productive, like none of the other backs have come close to what Gaskin did you know, this week. So I'm hoping that the Dolphins, you know, are smart and like, Hey, we probably should use this guy, even though we lost, he's clearly our best option out of the backfield. So I'm confident that he should be utilized more going forward. Yeah. I really do hope you're right. I hope that it was week four. That's the anomaly, not week five. I, I mean, obviously I think both are kind of a little bit off what the average expectation for him each week will be. But I was totally wrong about this game. I thought Jalen Waddle was going to pop off. Me too. And no, I so was wrong. all in on Jalen Waddle. I told people to start Jalen Waddle all week. So um, definitely a bummer there. But it's, I mean, and obviously a bummer for me that I left him on my bench, but like I'd rather have that guy because because it means I have him moving forward. So yeah, it's maybe disappointing for one week, but certainly hope that is a sign of things to come. All right. Our next guy we're going to talk about is Elijah Mitchell. So not the, this is kind of a weird one because it's not the most impressive fantasy performance. After coming back from a shoulder injury, he will finish in the RB 30 something range with 7.2 points and half PPR. That said, he had nine attempts and use check and sermon each saw one attempt. Like, I don't know if, Trey Sermon ran over like Kyle Shanahan's dog or something, but he clearly does not trust him. So, I mean, I guess like what you can interpret from this is that like Mitchell feels like the RB one in this offense, but are you going full send on him? Or do you think trusting any Shanahan running back is cap? 
I would say, based out of perspective, that he's the RB1 in the offense, I'll say full send. So I'll say it's full send because Elijah Mitchell's been injured for a few weeks now. And his first game back, he gets the entire workload, right? Sermon had the opportunity while Elijah Mitchell was gone to pretty much, I guess, quote unquote, steal the job. And hey, he was supposed to be the guy going into it, right? Most of us heard Trey Sermon was supposed to be the dude. They drafted him. So we assume for him to be the dude and run this offense, but for whatever reason, he hasn't gotten the opportunity and, he, and it's been unfortunate. You know, he's looked, Oh, he looked kind of pedestrian. He hasn't ha- been extremely impressive in the offense. So, but it's just, it's very concerning of this guy who, again, he wasn't supposed to be a threat to your job in the first place going into the season. So then when Moser was hurt, he already was running in front of you. Then he gets injured. And then as soon as he comes back, he takes your job again. Sermon, I feel like to me, he's pretty much droppable. Like there's nothing for you to, as long as Elijah Mitchell is on healthy, Sermon's dust, right? So I think Elijah Mitchell, even though you didn't have a very impressive performance this week, it, he's clearly getting the opportunities. And I'm assuming with Trey Lance, he, he also didn't look great either. You know, he ran a lot, but he looks like a rookie. But you're going to assume in future matchups, like, look, if they're close to the goal line, if they have a better game script, then, you know, Mitchell is going to get those opportunities. And he, look, if he landed in the end zone, then we would be talking about him different. Like, oh, he's a viable starting option. But to me, I think it's, I think he's definitely the RB1 on that team. Full set. Awesome. Um, did you get him in any league and how much did you have to spend for him? I, it's funny. I actually didn't keep him very long. <laughs> I only spent about one fourth of my fab, but then as when he got hurt, you know, I had to make other moves. I, had, I have a short bench is my home league. So mm-hmm. I had a short bench. So I actually let him go when he was gone a couple of weeks. So I had to get other backs because, you know, I'm not doing well in my home league. Unfortunately, I'm like one in three. I'm like, I need players I could play. <laughs> So I, so I didn't keep on to it, but now he, he looked okay. And someone else got him like, you know, it's a loss I had to take, but yeah, I know a lot of people spend like a hundred percent of their budget on him. So I hope that he, I hope I'm right because of those people who spend all their money on him. That's for sure. Yeah. I, and to your point, uh, I am dropping Trey Sermon ASAP in one of my leagues. It's a 12 team league with not super deep benches. So I need to make room for guys that are not, totally on Kyle Shanahan's shit list. Um, our final guy will be Dalton Schultz. I have a feeling I know how you're going to react to this one, but he has been on fire of late, finished his tight end one, tight end six, and will finish top nine this week, at least top nine this week. Are you going full send on Schultz as a must start rest of season? Yes, full send. I actually just put out a tweet today, you know, you know, pending tonight's game. He actually leads all tight ends this week in Target share, I believe he's at 28%. So yes, he's a full send. I'm starting, like I started him in my home league and he's he's putting up decent points. Like, look, he's going to be locked into my lineup because in the beginning of the season, we were wondering, was it going to be him? Is Blake Jarwin going to take the roll back? And clearly it's Dalton Schultz time. He's clear. And I believe he his production has hurt, I think, CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. We thought they were going to have, you know, bigger production this season. And I believe that Dalton Schultz involvement has hindered their production, but it's good for anyone who owns Dalton Schultz or, you know, rosters Dalton Schultz. So I'm very confident in him. And if you have him, continue to play him. Yeah, he was quite a diamond in the rough sort of find on the waiver wire because I highly doubt that he was 
more than 5% drafted, I would say. Um, so yeah, if you have him, I think you definitely have to start him. All right, Troy, we have eight more rapid fire questions. Um, question 13 is name one player you just can't quit or you always find yourself making excuses for. So for me, that is Joe Mixon. I want to clarify that is Joe Mixon, the player, not Joe Mixon, the human. I will say that I think Hollywood Brown, Mm. Hollywood Brown is somebody that I've been high on for a while. And he's, he's had a pretty good season this season, but you know, Rashad Bateman is coming back. So we'll see how his role is affected last year for the most of the year. He was awful, but then he had a good back half of last year. He's been decent this year. So he's somebody I've been rooting for and I'm going to continue to root for. Yeah. He was looking like having this like huge breakout at the beginning of the season and then had kind of one game with, three ugly three drops, drops that people oh. were just like roasting him for, which like deservedly. So like that's unforgivable and definitely is crazy. But yeah, I mean, you, you just watch him and you see this like video game, like talent and he is just really, really great. So I hope that his role remains there even when Bateman comes back though. I do think Bateman will eat into his um, targets a little bit. So we'll see how that all shakes out. Predict when the Dolphins will win their next Super Bowl. Ooh, the next Super Bowl, I say 10 years. Well, no, I'll say, I'll say within the next 10 years, they'll win a Super Bowl. Hopefully. You know, if I like, you know, our GM, I like Brad Flores. We'll see. I mean, the, the team should have been a lot better this year. I thought we we're gonna be a wild card team. I don't think that anymore, but I, I like our leadership. So within the next 10 years, I think we can put a team together to win a Super Bowl. Is that a reflection on Tua it, or like not being your the guy? Uh, so with Tua, I just want to see how this rest of the season plays out. Obviously he got injured. I want him to come back, be healthy, play the rest of the season. And we'll see, you know, if he, I just need to see some prompts. I think, again, he got hurt. The problem is like when you get hurt, it's hard to evaluate. And then last season, you know, it was his rookie year. And then the worst part is we are always comparing the Justin Herbert because he was drafted one spot ahead of him. So obviously compared to Herbert, he's an absolute disappointment, but I, I believe that he's a talented quarterback. I think that he could be a franchise quarterback, could be our franchise quarterback. I just need to see a little something, something before I'm, you know, completely give my entire heart and optimism that we could win a Super Bowl with him. Fair enough. Um, give us one Dolphins player you think is underrated for fantasy. Devontae Parker. I think Devontae <laughs> Parker, he was injured last. I was actually on him this week before he it was a game time <laughs> yeah. decision. I actually, I had a bold prediction. He was going to be top 15. He was actually leading the team in target share. Surprisingly, it was barely over Jalen Waddle, but it was like, like almost a half percentage, but he was leading him. And I believe he might've been leading him in like air yards or something along those lines, but he was, and unfortunately, you know, Fuller's going to be out for a while, but he was, he's the possession guy. And I was saying this during the summer, how he's going to be benefiting from not just having a number one coverage. You know, people have to obviously worry about Jalen Waddle and you got to worry about Mike Isecki. So I think that leaves Devontae Parker with not always the strongest coverage. And he's been, he's been utilizing the offense. So I think he's somebody that when he comes back, whether it's a DFS play or if you have multiple flexes, you can flex him. I think he can surprise some people. 
Great minds must think alike, or just an average mind is a great mind because <laughs> he was all great. over my start say article, uh, just with Will Fuller out. And I, I just I thought it was such a good matchup against the Bucks secondary. Obviously, not not his fault that he missed the game, though. So hopefully he is someone that is viable for fantasy moving forward. Was Joe Flacco ever elite? Yes or no? Yes. I say I would say the one year I'll call him elite. I'll say it was elite. You won a Super Bowl, you did what you did in the playoffs. You were elite that year, but that was it. It was short lived. It was a very quick elite moment. Yeah, people do act like you have to be like to be elite. You have to be elite for your whole career, and like that's nah. a very few number of players. Like it's Tom Brady, and then like I don't know. Yeah. The the list gets pretty short from there. So. I agree with you there. Will any Dolphins player finish in the top five at their respective position for fantasy? Mike Kosecki is the only one that has a chance. He's the only one that has a chance. I've seen his targets go up. Well, I mean, maybe this game wasn't as good, but the past two games he was getting peppered with targets for sure. Yeah, he was. I think he might have been second this week in terms of target share. Gaskin was number one. But yeah, yeah, he's been... He's been very involved in the offense, especially with Jacoby Prissett has since he's been in the lineup, he's been looking for him. And look, he's a great weapon. So I would say that he has potential. We'll see how the rest of the season plays out, but let's see how gone, you know, how long Will Fuller is out for. But I think he's the only one that has a shot at being top five. He is a guy that just confuses me because he bageled in week one, had like three points in the inconsistent game. i was like ready to drop him then he comes out of nowhere not nowhere but like certainly based on the previous two weeks and produces really big in weeks three and four and then i just i don't know what to think about him rest of season so i do hope he is a guy that is usable because tight end is like the guys that you can trust right now the list is very lean um who should managers waiver top waiver ad be this week and why Oh my gosh. There's so many people that got injured. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I would say it's going to be between Daryl Williams and I think maybe Devontae Booker. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's tough. Um, I would say, give me, I guess, Daryl Williams. I mean, obviously with the CEH role, so he was top 10 and rushing attempts and he was top I think 10 and like rushing yards or something along those lines before he got hurt so Darrell Williams obviously he's in the Chiefs offense so you want pieces that Chiefs offense you know Jerry McKinnon might eat into his workload but I would say that he's probably the guy you, you just want you just want pieces of that offense and you know they're going to get scoring opportunities you're hoping that you know they go to him on the goal line or you know Mahomes does a crazy trick play to him so I'll say Darrell Williams Yeah, uh, you definitely want exposure to that offense for obvious reasons because they have so many weapons, but also because their defense is playing so poorly, they are allowing the most points per game. So expect a lot of shootouts there. I definitely like Daryl Williams as a top waiver ad this week. Give me one player who you think is primed for a big fantasy season next year. Next year, I would say probably Justin Fields. But uh, I, was, I like all the rookies, but I'll say Justin Fields. I think, to me, he should have been a number two quarterback yes. off the board this season. I've been saying that. I'm going to continue to say that. But I think Justin Fields, once he gets comfortable in this offense, we'll see if Nagy's there or not. But I think he's going to be a superstar in this league. I do think it takes Nagy getting fired for him to reach his full potential. And I'm totally with you there that I thought that some of the pre-draft stuff that 
was being said about him was just like ridiculous stuff. Um, so I certainly was very high on him. Really bummed that the Panthers took JC Horn over over him. Like we could have had a franchise quarterback and we have Sam oh, Darnold. That would have been amazing. <laughs> I mean, just think about how high DJ Moore's stock would be at that point. So um a little bit disappointing, but yeah, I, I do think he will have a big fantasy season next year. How many attempts would it take you to make an extra point? Give me like between 10 and 20, between 20 and 20. I think, look, I kickers are really good at what they do. They're getting paid to do what they do for a reason. So an extra point, give me 15. I think if I got 15 attempts, I think I can make one. Have you ever tried it? I've actually no. never, I mean, I don't think. I've never hard. tried it, but I believe it's going to take me, like the first 10 are going to be really ugly. So maybe after like the 11th one, I might get some semblance of a good kick in. We'll see. I, I think it's funny. I did this like man on the street thing where I was interviewing people outside the home run derby, asking them how many batting practice pitches in course field, juiced balls and everything, like how many batting practice pitches would it take you to hit a home run at a course field? And most people were like, oh, a hundred. And this Boston guy literally has like a Boston shirt on. And he was like two, one warm up and I'm knocking it out of the park. So seeing the <laughs> range, confidence. <laughs> range of answers for this question and that question is definitely funny. Finally, if you had one cardinal rule to tell someone just getting into fantasy this year, what would it be? If you're just getting into fantasy this year, I would say be open-minded. Be open-minded. Don't and uh, be adaptable. Be open-minded. Be adaptable. Whether it's someone who's a content creator, whether it's your first time just playing fantasy football, I think open-mindedness and adaptability are two things that are going to be beneficial to you. You know, I feel like in fantasy, in terms of playing it, there's so many things that change. So you can't just be stuck on one take. So you got to be quick to change, quick to adapt as well as, Hey, if you're a content creator, you got to do the same thing. And the space is ever changing and you want to make sure you're kind of up to par with all the other content creators. So I'd say that's what I would say. I definitely agree with you. I think there are too many people who have like hills to die on. Like they just get stuck on something. And like, i I'm happy to admit when a take was wrong. I did not believe in Justin Herbert last year um, necessarily as the rookie of the year. And I certainly didn't believe in Josh Allen having the crazy breakout that he had last year. And those are bad takes and it happens. Um, So, yeah, I think it's important to be pliable. And to your point about like content creators, especially being open minded about different types of content. I think we definitely totally get that. So um, it is great to hear from you. All right. That will do it for this round of 21 questions with our esteemed guest, Troy King. Troy, I cannot thank you enough for joining me during this insanely busy time. Please tell everyone where they can find you this NFL season. Absolutely. Well, you can find me at T King mode on Twitter. I'm also dabbling on Instagram and TikTok. You can find me at the same handle there. You can find my work at Yahoo. Uh, hey, Yahoo Fantasy Sports. So I write weekly articles there every day. Tomorrow I'll have an article coming now, as well as I contribute to the bowl predictions on a weekly basis. Also, you can check out my work on Football Guys. You know, I come out with articles here and there, as well as one of the co-hosts of their mailbag show on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So check that out. But Sam, I appreciate you inviting me on. I appreciate everybody who's been supporting me and is going to continue to support me. So thank you all. This has been so like 
it's been so overdue for us to be on a podcast together. (laughs) So I am so happy you are such a great friend in the industry to have and just like an overall great vibes person. So very, very cool to get to chat with you today. Um, As a reminder, Sean Kerner and Chris Rabon are here on the Fantasy Flex every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, giving you guys all the DFS waiver wire and rankings info to help you guys dominate your fantasy leagues. I will be back this Thursday and every Thursday with my mailbag episode. Speaking of which, you should email any mailbag questions to mailbag at actionnetwork.com. Thank you again for listening. Please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. Download us wherever you like to listen and we will see you next time on the Fantasy Flex presented by PrizeFix. Peace out, y'all.